0: Guess what time it is. It's happy hour. What's up, everybody? It's Stephen Anthony Bailey, back for another episode of the Hollywood Happy Hour podcast. I'm very excited about this episode. Our guest today is Gregory Nathaniel Fisher, one of my closest, dearest friends. And uh, he is an amazing musician and composer. And he is here today because he is bringing us, and we've been talking about it for weeks, we meaning I, Sorry, water break. We've been talking about him bringing... I'm building up suspense. Uh, We've been talking about him bringing on the new theme music for the show, and uh, I'm about to show you that right after this introduction. But uh, thank you, Greg, for creating this amazing piece of music. Uh, He's a a great guest on the show. We we have a lot to talk about, about uh, the film industry and being a musician and a film composer and travel and this, that, and the other thing. So uh, I'm very excited I'm going to get to that um, what's been going on lately? Not too much. Um, just been, you know, uh, January and February have been a couple of my favorite months living in Los Angeles. Uh, the funny thing is they were the two months when I was trying to, um, kind of make something happen from, you know, the, the bigger side of it. Like I was focusing on the creativity side more so than the marketing side, let's say. And so I've been able to just do nothing but work on the projects that I want to be working on. Um, and uh, it's a, uh, yeah, quick story about that. I The latest video I put out is called Gloria M. Wolf. And this uh, character that I created is this infamous Los Angeles theater critic from New York. And it all started out because I go on Snapchat sometimes and I play around with the filters. And one day I went on there and uh, this it just slapped on like, bunch of thick makeup, wrinkles, and these giant uh, glasses. And so I started talking as Gloria Wolf and I immediately started making fun of myself as her as if I was her least favorite actor. So then I wound up going on my blog and I wrote a couple of reviews of my work as her as sort of marketing ploys. And people thought she was real. They started sticking up for me in the posts like, "Who? what's crawled up this lady's butt? Who does she think she is? I've never even heard of her, blah, blah, blah. And then, so I did Our Town most recently. I just closed that show a couple weeks ago and I wrote a review of the play as her. And even more people chimed in. So I was like, oh, I got to make a sketch out of this. So I did. And then I posted it. And I know that some people didn't click and watch the the interview because the post was here's the full interview video of me hashing it out with Gloria M. Wolf. And then. If you click on the link, it's me talking to me dressed as Gloria M. Wolf, And some people were still putting things like, you know, who is this lady thinks she is, like, really going at her? And if they would have just watched the video, (laughs) they would have known it was me. But uh, it was a fun little practical joke I got to play. And honestly, it was just a fun video to make. Uh, Fun little acting piece, character stuff that I learned to do, like at growlings and stuff like that. Uh, so it's been fun. And me and Jason are working on our new uh, feature film script, uh, called Go Your Own Way, and we'll be making that, uh, hopefully this year, I think, probably, no, we're making it this year. It's a movie we've been talking about making forever. He's been wanting to direct a feature for forever, and I need to get my next feature going, uh, since I haven't made, uh, one of my own since Until Forever. (laughs) You see what I did there? Okay, that's the last Until Forever reference, I think. Um, it's a rainy day today, I recorded this podcast today, it's very rainy, so you're gonna hear some light ambiance that you could play some Jack Johnson along to, or something like that. Um, so I hope it's not too distracting, but we really wanted to get the podcast recorded and out there since we've been talking about it. So, anyway, let's get it with, oh, I almost said without further ado, I hate when podcasters do that. So, here we go, here's the show, and here is the brand new theme music. Hollywood Happy Hour podcast composed by the great Nathaniel Fisher. Totally, you know, like, it matches the tone of the show. It's kind of got this, some shit's about to go down <laughs> essence to yeah. it. Yeah. It's a little foreboding, but still fun. So, Hip-hop-y, before but still I came pop-y. over here,
1: I was trying to uh, edit it, quote unquote, and what I noticed was that from one take to the next that I that I saved, there's just this DJ scratch that I added in uh-huh. that just fit it perfectly. Yeah, And you can hear just a complete difference from that, plus I... I made more reverb on the piano, so it just opened it up a little bit. Yeah. And I, that makes a whole difference.
0: I I want to talk to you about this because this is uh, super interesting because I think it probably works in music too. I talk all the time about uh, cinematic language, meaning yes. like if you show somebody in, in they're completely dressed in red, that means mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for you to add that DJ scratch takes me back to the early 90s of my Mm -hmm. childhood. Like, this song that you've made for me
1: that's how I feel represents you.
0: Exactly. So that, is that something that as a composer, you are thinking about? Like, what sound can I drop in here? Do you think about sounds more than notes?
1: Uh, So, these days composing is more sound design, and it's getting more into, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, but for me, I work with with both the sound design, but I also write with music theory in mind. Mm-hmm. But like, if I'm representing something certain, then I, you know, th- think of it on that level. So like, for you, I was like, well, he was into '90s rap. He was a kid of the '90s, yeah. so that's the kind of thing I put into it. You know,
0: it's like you're creating somebody's sound identity. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Thank you so much for making that. That's <laughs> I'm I'm seriously like it's it it. This is not. Contrived at all. Like, I am honored anytime somebody does something for me because to me, I've always felt like I come from, you know, like being raised not to take anything from anyone, do everything by yourself. Yeah. And it's, to be honest with you, it's probably held me back in my career because I don't ask for favors or anything like that. Like, you said, I would love to help you out producing the podcast. Why have I never asked you to do that? Because I feel like it would be putting you out. when in reality, you're like, no, that would be, just be fun for me.
1: That, yeah. And it'd be like an experience we could work together. And, right. you know, it would make some, a product that everyone would enjoy, you know? So I need to get
0: better about that. And I think that that's got to
1: well, psychologically you, you be something. You and I are, this, are exactly the same on that level. Yeah. Because I don't ask anybody for anything. Not well, anything.
0: Yeah. And it, it's, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, oh, I guess you uh, so outside. Yes. I guess you could attribute it to like being afraid of being told no. But I've been told no a million times. Yeah. So have I. So what is it? Is it just that we don't want to come across as needy or as
1: or weak? It, I think
0: I think for me it's I don't want to be I don't want to look weak.
1: That's in front how of I am too. Yeah. But also it could be on a selfish level maybe where we're like oh I could totally do this on my own. I don't need you.
0: Yeah. But, right. Or you know. like scared somebody's gonna fuck your thing up.
1: Yeah. Which well, is stupid because. Yeah.
0: Tell somebody that you want something corrected and they'll correct it. Everyone wants to be told good job, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, um, every time I've done something for someone, even if it... Like, I don't know that there is a, is a selfless act. I don't think that's a real thing. I think that even if I were to go to a soup kitchen on New Year's mm-hmm. Eve or something like that and give soup... There's a certain level of, um, well, now I feel like I've done this good deed, yeah, so which isn't a bad thing I'm now a good person. No, it's not a bad yeah. thing, but it's also the thing of like we got to get our minds straight on on what. Um, what the what this experience is and like just like shed all the bullshit and be like (laughs) yeah i went to the soup kitchen because i felt like shit about the nine asshole things i did on the way to work the other day so now this got me to an even keel now i feel better living on this planet with humanity like we don't say that though we like blur it so anyway going back to the work thing i need to be better about asking people for help and honestly just working with people because it's a lot of fun and this podcast has shown me that like it's reminded me that how fun it is to create with other people, even something as small as this.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So back to you. So um, I met you, we went to Lucy's, and then now we've known each other for going on like eight years, eight it feels years, like. Eight years, I think, yeah. Something like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's It's been an interesting uh, eight years, but I want to know about everything... Previous, So let's start with, like, just the basics, where you were born, where were your parents from, so all stuff. So
1: I'm born, or I was born in L.A., uh, greater L.A., you know, Santa Clarita, and grew up out there. And then at about age three, parents divorced, and single father, basically. And I would see my mom occasionally, but not as often. And um, then, you know, moved around a bit. And ended up back in Santa Clarita eventually. But through those years, the one thing that kept me, you know, sane was music. So at about age eight, I want to say, I was like, I just knew there was nothing for me but the drums. I just wanted to play the drums. And so my dad bought me a pair of just drumsticks, and I would bang on everything.
0: It started with just the Oh, sticks. yeah. My neighbor's not the rubber mat not, yet. No. It had nothing to that. Nothing. Okay.
1: I had this, like... Like elephant a, toy box. Oh there you go. And it had a lid on it and I would take that lid around and just bang on everything. Bang, bang on it. And so my neighbors you, would hear and they'd be like, oh I heard someone was drumming the other day.
0: So did you know, did you have, oh did you have like instant rhythm? Did you know what a triplet was? Did you know? Oh, so
1: I started at uh, Sam Ash Music in the valley. I started taking, I started taking lessons. And... Who was your first teacher? Uh, Robert Lobotto. He was my teacher throughout my whole... Really? My whole childhood. Wow. Up until high school.
0: And what, what, what kind of specialty was he? Was he like jazz drumming,
1: rock drumming? Rock, rock mostly, but he also did j- jazz drumming. That's awesome. Yeah, okay. he's the one who actually wrote my, one of my reference letters to get into Berkeley.
0: That's correct. See... Yeah. I say it all the time. A mentor or a teacher that cares about you, which is a mentor... Is like the most important mm-hmm.
1: thing. I moved around several times, and so he would just come to my house, and then he would teach me for like thirty minutes a session.
0: Yeah.
1: And he would go from so I lived in the valley in Canoga Park, so then he would go there. So then I moved to uh, Santa Clarita, he would go there. Like he was every he would drive everywhere.
0: That's wild. Isn't like it? most of them are like come to me or don't worry about coming to lessons. Yeah. Kind of lesson. And
1: I first just met him one day. It was like oh we're doing a free. Uh, Learn to play the drums thing at Sam Ash, and that's how I got involved so, in it.
0: So so let's go to that day. That day's very important. I so can remember you've been that day, cracking
1: the sticks around. No, I was a so, ten years old.
0: Ten years old, still no no no, no rubber mat, nothing yet, uh-uh. just the sticks. So are you begging? Is this like a thing you had to beg for? Or oh yeah. It just like no,
1: I asked I asked my dad constantly, but uh, my dad was kind of on the fence of like, oh like he kind of felt bad for the way that my childhood was, you know he wasn't always there because he was dropping me off at my grandmother's or he was, sure. you know, that kind of busy. thing. He was always busy, working because yeah. he's a single father. So, uh, I remember after taking those lessons, uh, we were at Sam's just looking around. He was picking me up and one day I was like, he, he asked me like, what do you want? And I said a drum set and I looked at one and it was like 400 bucks and he bought it. Just on the spot? Just on the spot. He's like, okay, fine. And this is
0: after one lesson? This was An after a few, lesson. this was after oh, like three lessons. lessons maybe. Okay. So, yeah. So you let's go back to the audit day one more time. So you're you're on the way there, you get dropped off. Are you nervous to take this lesson? Oh I
1: was oh so nervous. Okay. Yeah. Uh, apparently I was natural though, I don't I don't know. I don't I didn't know what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I just did it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah.
0: So was it just some was it the kind of thing he plays a da 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 and you go
1: No, no, it wasn't even that. It was just a basic, okay, this is this is the t- music in time and this is how you play drums and you play to the beat and it just i just did it that's incredible uh-huh for me it would have to be like
0: okay so you went and it's why are you doing all this you know like little things i i feel like i'm more like i play guitar i've messed around on piano a lot I've always been intimidated of the drums. Yeah, I have great rhythm.
1: That's what everyone what I'm says. Intimidated is like, oh, by them. Very intimidated because you're doing so many things at once, and it's really well, it is hard. In my head, you're doing everything at the same time, uh-huh. so it's not really a, a, different things. To but me.
0: even like you never did, you have any trouble when it came to like okay, now let's add that kick drum in there Mm-mm. on a syncopated rhythm. Nope. No, never. it just happened. It
1: just Jeez. worked. But that's, you know, you have to think about it as time. So
0: when you, okay, so you start taking these lessons and you're learning and what was that feeling like? What, did, you, did you feel like you had finally, well, mm-hmm. not finally, you were 10, but you had found your identity? You oh, knew. yeah. 100%. That's the way that I felt when I first walked on, like, into a, a drama room and got on stage and started, like, improving and Yeah. You know, I remember the first time getting a laugh. I remember the first time delivering a monologue. I remember the first time, like, doing a scene and feeling that gravity in the room. Mm-hmm, like Everyone mm-hmm. was like, oh, shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it makes me sad because I know so many people that say, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I don't... They are they're, they haven't found their mm-hmm. purpose or their gift yet yeah. or their whatever it is. Uh, so knowing that at 10, and I, I think I probably knew what I wanted to do that early on, too, because I was... I'd you know, say
1: most people know around eight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I
0: think, and maybe it is. Maybe it's people know, but then they have they that just fear kind of, of going, going yet, to that first or, class to try yeah. the drums or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I think it is that just do it mentality of like, just tr- once you're doing it, mm-hmm. you're, you're it. Once you start acting, you're an actor. You're once an you actor, start yeah. drumming,
1: you're a drummer. Mm-hmm. Because you Even have, if you're not good, like... You're still a drummer. Still. You'll get better
0: yeah. if you work at it and if you believe in it. Like, yes, we all s- uh, have uh, an amount of potential. Some yeah. of us have more than others. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, I could probably learn to play drums. Yeah. But your 12-year-old self would be like, this fucking guy. <laughs> Look at this guy. I can't play.
1: It, it's interesting to think about it because I haven't played drums
2: in... It yeah, you put the set away a while years, ago. Once it yeah. was well,
0: I remember you saying you were putting them away, and it was when you were in the thick of Berkeley, mm-hmm. and you were just like, I can't have them.
1: Like, yeah. was it a, as a distraction? That's well, that's one thing. It's also just having room. It's living in mm-hmm. an apartment. It's yeah. just access in general. You know, it's amazing. Yeah.
0: So you start playing at ten, and uh, are you consistently taking lessons? It's just like you always took lessons.
1: Uh yeah. Wow. From then on, he basic my dad basically was like, well, "You're gonna was take it lessons." A, and...
0: Once a week, twice a week. It was once every month, I think. Oh, once a month. So once a month, yeah. You had time to like really see. I think that's a good schedule uh-huh. because uh, I, the first time I took guitar lessons, it was once a week, and I didn't have enough time to absorb everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was it was too many lessons. Right. Um, so. When's the first time? Like, did you do like any garage bands or anything like that?
1: Oh, m- many. <laughs> so tell me about those. <laughs> uh, how does that? How does it
0: feel to be in like a garage band? I'm trying to that think age?
1: back to to middle school. So for middle school, I didn't have any formal bands, but there was people I would like. They would all be like, "Oh, you play the drums? I'm gonna come over and we're gonna hang out and play music, just you know, as we're doing today." So,
0: for me, what I guess I would compare that to is like when I first got my first. Uh, camcorder and we started making videos Uh that feeling of like oh we're gonna do this and we're gonna make it we're Mm -hmm. gonna you know this is gonna take off it's gonna and now you look back at that and you're like you kids were one you were awful Uh two no one wants to see you do what you're doing (laughs) it has no commercial value and three um you know it those personalities would not have lasted together right do you still talk to any of those guys
1: uh i have a friend uh I call him a friend, but I haven't seen him in years, but he, from time to time, will message me on Facebook and be like, hey, remember when you taught me drums in middle school? And then he'll, like, wish me happy birthday and and talk about, and this guy is incredible because he just bought a house in Las Vegas, and what he does is he tours around with bands and, like, does photo shoots and is just, like, their entourage, basically, Right. I'm assuming. I don't even know. I don't so, know.
0: imagine that. Like, he might not have... He might not be doing what he's doing now Mm -hmm. had he never sat at your drum set and cranked away on those Mm -hmm.
2: drums.
0: So what I'm gathering, though, is you're, out of the first group of kids that you were playing with, you're the one that's still at it. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of the guys are still going at it, um, but a lot of the people, like I did drama with, no one does it Mm -hmm. and it's like i thought i i was serious about it back at that age i'm talking you know eighth ninth grade i was like no i'm gonna be a professional actor
1: i did the same thing
0: and i don't know if i was saying it out loud but i knew it in my head i was writing you know plans in my journals of what i wanted to do how i was gonna make it to x y and z how i was gonna get to la whatever I guess I thought that they all were doing the same thing when in reality They were just showing up to hang out with people and have fun mm-hmm. and do a pull put a play on for their mm-hmm. parents and their friends It uh, and so when it got time that I was like 24 and I was still at it and people weren't doing it anymore mm-hmm. it was a lonely feeling yeah. but also a cocky feeling of you know, I needed that extra juice of, like, I'm the one that survived, you <laughs> yeah. know, I'm still standing, yeah. I have this creative power. And now I just look at it as, like, oh, we all just made different life choices. But, going back to what you're saying, I can still selfishly see the impact of those experiences. Yeah, on well, it's people. funny you
1: talked about at 24, you looked back at that, because I was doing the same thing at 24, and, like, well, if they're not doing music who do I do music with? Or how do I continue this? Because I want this to continue. I want this. But I was going to school, you know, trying to figure out my life. Yeah. And realized, you know what, there is, there is still a world I can live in with music involved. Right. And that's where film scoring really came into it.
0: So you're drumming all through... When's the first time, because you were a drummer doing the garage band thing, I'm sure... Well, I don't know. This is the question. What, what Did you originally want to go on tour with a band and be part of this oh, yeah. band? Or did you want to... When did film composing come into uh, play? It wasn't
1: until my 20s that I realized I touring is not for me. Being in a band like that is not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to have a stable life, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And it wasn't until, like, 25, I want to say, 26, mm-hmm. that I realized, oh, I, I want to look into uh, making music at home. And that's when I realized... Berkeley was a possibility.
0: Right. So, you realize that that's it. So, real quick, let's just get this out of the way, because you know <laughs> I'm going to ask it. Give me some of your favorite composers,
1: film composers. Uh well, so the, the list that everyone says, you know, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, there's those ones. Um, Bernard Herrmann is top of my list. Great. Um, John Powell right now is, like, the man for me right now. Uh, if people don't know who he is, he did How to Drain Your Dragon movies, which... I know, it's a kid's movie, but it's epic, epic music. Um, I was thinking back, uh, the movie I watched most on VHS when I was a kid was Back to the Future. I know you love that movie. Yeah,
0: Alan Silvestri.
1: That is probably the quintessential, like, top music for me of all time.
0: Everyone that's listening to this in their head is da. Mm-hmm. you can just hear it. You can just hear it, yeah.
1: Uh, dun, 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 dun. And it's incredible because that's his second film he's ever done. That's incredible. That's incredible. How do you... And he was a jazz writer, not even an orchestral writer, and he just wrote that like he was working for 50 years. Like,
0: Did you see that video that was going around of, I was like on Twitter about a week and a half ago, it's a Spielberg sitting with John Williams in there literally humming out the et theme i'll have to no. send it to you it's it's beautiful because it showed me i was always curious about how to work with a composer because i've never worked with a composer for any of my stuff i would yeah. just pull like you know music uh, off right. the internet yeah i know it. i have you now uh uh which we have so much to talk about oh, yeah, but we um, yeah i mean the idea that he's like able to tell John Williams, he's looking at John Williams, going, "No, go up to hmm, here." He's like giving him, he hums the note terribly, <laughs> yeah, and like he's like, "Go up there," and like, you see John Williams like like this, and then like takes it up there, <laughs>
2: and like he just
0: he was able to like uh, keep what he was doing and keep the music theory going, but give Spielberg what he wanted, and I was yeah. like, "Holy shit!" Like uh-huh. that's uh-huh. that's what I was hoping a film composer does you know yeah brings their expertise and their artistry mm-hmm. while still collaborating yeah um it, it what a what an amazing thing because i mean for a while there people were hating on film scores like oh it's forcing us to cry here or this See, and the that's the whole thing was where so
1: music what? is going right now in film is like they, they want as minimal as possible they, they want like Two, three notes, and they wanted all digital synthesized stuff. It's a stuff.
0: mistake. It's yeah. a, I'm not that way. Maybe, maybe I'm just you know uh, uh, too old school or whatever. But I, th- I think people need to chill out. If they're like, oh, it was the music that made me cry. Good. Yeah. Good. You felt That's something. Point. That's why you're sitting <laughs> down at the movie. Yeah. It drives me crazy when people come up with these critiques and then people regurgitate the stuff over and over again. So they think the movie,
1: the, just the moving pictures are supposed to make you feel like everything? And they and can,
0: and maybe the yeah. performance will. But if you can enhance that yeah. and, and, and make the experience otherworldly, yeah. then why
1: not? Right.
0: Why does everything and have to be so? It's funny because
1: so... you could go on the same spectrum. So, a quiet place, look at that movie. Oh my There goodness. was like minimal music, there was like almost nothing, mm-hmm. and it got nominated. For a score? Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I heard they, that uh, Krasinski and the editor, they were working on it with no audio whatsoever mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. put the pictures together to make sure that it made visual sense. Yeah. Now, I love that. Uh, from a director's pr- yes. perspective, I love that because uh, it's a, movies are supposed to be show, not tell. For a but while, they're, that's also it, with they're
1: forgetting about the that. Mu- yeah. Also, with the music, though, is you got to have that space in between. You can't just have it all music going all the time. You mm-hmm. got to, you know... Well, and I'm, I'm sure
0: we've all seen movies like that where it's like, I, I don't uh, stop the score. The yeah. score has been going on for 42 minutes. <laughs> like, for no reason.
1: Yeah, a lot of, like, Bernard Herrmann stuff is only 30 minutes long, and it's for a two-hour movie.
0: Yeah. So, what do you think about, um... Does it bother you when directors like to use pop songs as their score, like a Tarantino? No.
1: Let's go back to Back to the Future. That is married with music like no other film has ever been done before. Like, right. I can't even right. think of another movie like that. Well,
0: like Power of Love is just as much a part of the score mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. is yeah,
1: Silvestri's uh, uh-huh. There's 18, it takes 18 minutes into the movie before you even hear film scoring. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Wow. That's incredible. See, uh-huh. I wouldn't have guessed that. But what? So you don't can count the little, at the very top of Back to the Future when the credits are going on that... really that's not score i mean it it, it, is score yes but you're talking like full on like like his actual music two minutes worth of yeah yeah okay i get what you're saying to me though those sounds i hate calling them sounds Sounds, (laughs) now let me ask this is sounds a derogatory word that i'm using okay because sounds kind of sounds like oh you're just making noises in my head
1: well film scoring now is is all sounds put together right
2: yeah
0: so those sounds at the at the top are, to me, just as important as, yeah. and and, so, and as powerful as when well, the DeLorean takes yeah, off the music.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny because I'm doing a lot of short films right now, and what my the director will ask is, I need this kind of sound here, or I need a simple flourish of sound here, and, you know, what does that mean? Right. Does that mean, it could be anything, so I have to figure that out, you know? Right.
0: So how do
1: you okay, let me save that for later let's <laughs> let's go back to your story real quick.
0: yeah, so you're you're in high school, you're doing the band thing, going to college, you start, and then Berkeley comes along um, and you had played a little guitar, played a little piano, mm-hmm. you had been collecting instruments yeah. and getting computers and this that and all the Equipment needed to become a musician mm-hmm. composer,
1: etc. Still got a long ways to go, but yeah sure we all
0: do uh, with everything but um, I Remember when it was like you're piecing it all together. I remember when you got the guitar that you have now. I remember all those things Now when you first started the Berkeley program
2: mm-hmm.
0: What I mean, I'm sure you were I was dazed ecstatic to oh, get yeah. in but I'm sure right after the excitement came holy
1: shit uh, didn't see people for two years, at That's least. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was freaking out because I didn't know music theory, like simple music theory stuff mm-hmm. that like m- all my classmates knew. Now, so, wh- I
0: mean, you knew what an eighth note was, well, yeah, I'm sure, okay, but yeah. what, what, what are we talking here? Where, where did it start getting
1: hairy for you where you're like, I don't oh, know what you're saying? I didn't know anything with pianos, nothing. So,
0: like, you didn't know how to read the music I to play, I didn't know how to
1: read music, I didn't know how to write music. I didn't know, you know, just simple progressions.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, but I'm sure, like, those were classes that you took. Uh Like, they just uh make you uh take them.
1: All of them, yes.
0: And as you're learning them, what areas did you find that you were, like, taking to, like, a fish in water, and which ones were, like, tripping you up
1: hardcore? So, I took, uh, stupidly, I took Film Scoring 101, like, the first semester, and why would I do that if I don't know how to write the music yet? You know, I didn't oh, think shit. about it. Yeah, and my teacher was Pinar Toprak, who is currently the Captain Marvel composer. Oh wow! Yeah, she's she's the first female composer on a major Marvel movie on a major. That's yeah, big deal. Yeah, and I didn't know who she was at the time at all, <laughs> um, which blows my mind now because I would have like, you know tried to take as much advantage of that as possible. But, right. Um, but yeah, that that really scared me, because that's what I wanted to do. and I Did had, you
0: have those feelings of doubt, like, oh, fuck, maybe I'm not able to do n- this? No,
1: because uh, with that, I was also taking a music theory class, and so I would use those techniques that I was learning that same day and use them for that other class, and it really married each other, and they really mm-hmm. went together really well. So
0: you were able to, like, play catch-up while you were yes. in the moment.
1: and pe- and the good thing about going to berkeley and i did it online which is that you meet hundreds of people and you you can talk to them day or night and your teachers too so you can you know have constant feedback going and you can figure things out on the fly Ask a question at 3 a.m. yeah so i would yeah i would stay up all night and just like you know listen to movie scores and then see how they did that or look up you know the sheet music to something and then try to play that and then try to figure out how they did that or why why they did that there's a level of
0: insanity to wanting to be great at something. Yep. Mm-hmm. To lock yourself away in a room, cut yourself off from your friends and family. Yeah. And I've done this, uh, if you add it up all the time, it would it would make me feel sad in a way of how much time I've spent on my craft, but you have to.
1: That's if you, you really want to. to be good. You yeah, have to. I mean,
0: yeah. Uh, oh man. It's a, that's the thing that I always wish I could tell people that, um, I hate making it sound like, you know, the work that we're doing is, uh, you know, look at what I've sacrificed, (laughs) you know, it's it's not that important, but at the same time, there is, I think there's a nobility in it. I'm very, um, honored by, to be sitting across from somebody that, that understands what I've Mm. put into it, because... Most people go get a four-year degree, they come out, they get a job, they work that job yep. 40 hours a week, clock in, clock out, go home, and live a life with hobbies. Yeah. I don't have hobbies. No. I have one hobby, which is my career, which is... That's it. That's all I care about. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. And this this is... um, It's, it's all in, like... It's just this is the, what I need to spend my time doing for many reasons. One, because it's the most fun that I can have. Yeah. Two, it's the thing that calms me down, mm-hmm. calms my mind, yep. clears it out, and allows me to say, "Relax, you got something done today. Don't stress. Don't you know? Um, don't feel anxiety."
1: Oh, that feeling of, of not getting something done that day. You're like, well, I just we wasted a whole day. Honestly, just, that's most heck? days yeah. of
0: feeling like, well, this was a day wasted. I could have done something. I so didn't much. get the edit done that I wanted to get done. I didn't um you know, I didn't make it to that you know, open mic. Whatever it might be. Now, I had the, this syndrome, I'll call it that, of <laughs> always feeling like I needed it to catch up. Because and I've told this story before, um, I didn't know what a community theater was until I was over the age of eighteen,
1: and this is where we have a a connection because I wasn't in that the world that I am in now until Until later, right? Yeah, so twenties even.
0: I'm yeah. I mean, we're the age we are now. I still feel in some ways, like I know what my weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. If you you know, if you ask me about Shakespeare, I can. I've never been on a, on a stage playing Shakespeare. I don't know what that's like. So that would be something that... That's a, an area of acting and performance that I get a little um, nervous around or, like, people who know about miming and clowning. I don't know anything. Or commedia dell'arte. Or, and I'm still confused. Is it dell'arte or dell'arte? Oh, dell'arte? Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, that's not my thing. But if you want to talk about film acting, I can go all day. If you want to talk about acting in theater, I can go all day. Um, I do have experience in like dancing and singing, so I can kind of talk about musicals but, yeah. and, and what that's like.
1: What are those areas for you? So that you touched on a lot of things that I was like, oh, that's me, that's me. Uh, so going to Berkeley online is a whole different experience than actually being there, you know? Sure. They, they get to actually sit in with an orchestra. They get to con- pr- practice conducting. They get to see how a violin actually works, whereas I don't have any of that. I have videos that I watch. And you know sound bites that I listen to, but I don't have that kind of experience actually in the room, you know uh, working with mixing boards, I took two classes on that now i don't I've never really seen a full board in front of me, you know what I mean so uh, they are intimidating very but um, the cool th- not the cool thing, but how music is going now for film is that uh, studios don't even have mixing boards anymore they don't have. Any gear is all in the box, so it's all in your computer. Computers can do everything, and that's why people. That's why I have a home studio right now, just because I can do everything at home.
0: Now let me ask you this, two questions. Do you regret not going to Berkeley? No. No, you you're solid with your choice. That's yes. Wonderful. Um. Wait, so so what were the areas that you feel so you you so um, working with orchestras, soundboards, yeah, just not having the other experience, live instruments, the live
1: experience, yeah.
0: How are you with working with other musicians?
1: Oh, great. I've, I've done enough of that in, okay. within my time that mm-hmm. I'm confident with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that communication. That yeah. Talk.
0: Because I would have to imagine as a composer, you're just a director of music.
1: That's exactly what it right?
0: is. Right? So to me, uh, the thing that I tell directors all the time is you, you have to know how to talk to actors. Therefore, mm-hmm. you need to learn how to act. So get your ass in a, an yeah. acting class or an improv class so that you know what the actor's going through. Yeah. And so that you can pick up the um, vocabulary to talk to an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the worst thing a director can say to an actor is, hey, can you do that? But just, like, be happy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, so go fuck yourself. With that, the story I always go back to is uh, Michael Giacchino, the uh, dress part, you know composer, and J.J. Abrams. Uh, Michael Giacchino went to school for film, not for music. Interesting. And then J.J. Abrams was a musician. And now tables have turned, and they work together. So they always joke about how they're going to, you know... Switch. Switch. switch roles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny.
0: <laughs> so, okay, so going back to the how you said everything's in, in the computers now. Yeah. Now I, and I'm about to do a... Uh, I'm having Jason back on the podcast, and we're going to talk about... um.
1: Let me know when I'll
0: stop. <laughs> Actually, I'd love to have you be a third party on that one. We're going to talk about digital versus film. Mm-hmm. It's still a debate that I am passionate about, even though like, the, so the battle's f- done. You're a
1: digital guy all the way, right? No. No, no. <laughs> you you I, I mean,
0: I have to be. Mm. I am only because I have to be, because that's what I have access to. I wouldn't well, be a filmmaker. That's
1: how I am. So everything's right? done in MIDI right right yeah. now, and it's, I am an analog guy all the way.
0: Okay. That's amazing. So, to me, those big soundboards that Mm -hmm. we say are intimidating are still... That's a better tool because there's that human touch involved. Oh, yeah. I think having a lack of human touch, Mm -hmm. you can feel it. You can hear
1: it. On an actual instrument. Right. Is even... Well,
0: like, for instance... uh, I am sure you've banged out a bunch. Well, you talked about like uh, there's a French horn or an oboe. Would you say was on the, there's an oboe on the the, the theme music? Yeah. That so you put I together. wanted
1: to go back into the project and for your your theme music, mm-hmm. and I wanted to change the oboe to I wanted to try an English horn, and which is just a smoother sound. It sounds oh, it's a little better, and the project just wouldn't open. <laughs> I was I was getting upset because I had to be I had to come here and do this and this
0: wouldn't have happened in the analog days. Another problem would have happened, I'm sure. Uh, but something
1: would have happened. Something
0: would have happened. Yeah. but that specific problem. But yeah, is I just like couldn't open the project, ridiculous. and
1: that's something that a lot of composers are dealing with right now is that they don't have you know something breaks on the day and they're like oh got to fix this now got to uh-huh. work on this when if you're doing live stuff it just wouldn't happen that, just way. Wouldn't that way. But the beauty of is that a lot of the times we're just doing the mock-ups and then later they go and record the real stuff.
0: Right. So, I personally, and I don't know if I just have an ear for it because I've spent time recording a lot of different audio and because I play instruments, but there's a lot of times when I'll hear uh, an electronic version of an instrument that you can feel the musician pressing the keys on the keyboard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh my God. Does that make me mad?
1: Makes you mad? Yeah,
0: um, like because and it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. But would it be better with a live
1: saxophone? So, yeah. So uh, uh, there's an artist named Oliver Arnold. He he makes electronic style. I, I, I'm trying to see how to um, reference it, but basically he makes this lush. Uh, orchestral sound but he uses like just pianos and strings and you hear every push of the piano key and it sounds amazing and really oh yeah oh yeah me and felice just went and saw him actually at the orpheum theater and she it was like a meditative experience
0: so okay so let me stay on that topic There's less and less um, funding in schools for music, right? Mm -hmm. There's less and less pay for musicians to be professional musicians. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's going to become more and more rare to find a live oboe player? Like, to be able to come into a studio? Is that going to be something that's going to disappear? That's a a
1: hard debate. I think...
0: We're not going to run out of guitar players or piano players. But I'm talking
1: about those rare instruments. And we might. And it might just you know, I'll end up in the box, as I said, you know, you buy this sample of music, and play it, and record it, and that's it, and let's be honest, that's how I did your music, Mm
0: -hmm. so, I mean, yep, okay, so then that, that's my next question, is how do you get it to sound real, because yours sounds real, that's my, that's a big compliment for you, because
1: that's the, that's just the beauty of the stuff I bought, it already sounds like that, it sounds real, I didn't do anything to it, It, I I, I just put it together, that's amazing, okay, yeah, that's why I was trying to fix it before I came over to make it sound even better, but... It, it sounds no great point. now.
0: It, it doesn't sound like... And maybe it's just because your technique is also good at how you... Well, that's, and you probably I have had, a really good
1: ear for... I've had four years of just doing that for uh-huh. school projects, one project a week. I mean, if I did it, it would sound yeah. like...
0: Purr, ha, ha, purr.
1: <laughs> and it'd be like, oh, somebody play that oh, on a well, keyboard. Oh, you just play it on pitch, you're fine. It just... <laughs> it does it for you. <laughs> Come on.
0: So, okay, all right. So... With, I'm going to keep doing this compare and contrast situation between acting and music. Do what you know. For actors, it's harder and harder to have a a paying career.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I would have to assume, going back from the seed of this was Napster came out and Mm -hmm. kind of demolished
2: the
1: uh,
0: music industry. Does it, it it does it look as bleak from your
1: side? So from my side, so basically what we have going on is there used to be that the old Hollywood where a studio would hire, you know, a composer and he would do all their stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was an orchestra that they hired and they would do all their stuff. And then it started, you know, dwindling and then it just became individual random, you know, stuff and unless you're in the union, you don't get, you know, pay, you don't get those jobs. And that's something that I need to get into. I need to get into some union so that I can start getting the jobs. Right. Working in, you know, the and field that i How does one
0: get in... With acting, there's, like, three ways to get into the union. Yeah, well... They're all pretty difficult.
1: The musician's union is you just pay.
0: Is it ridiculous? No,
1: it's not too bad. It's, three, I actually, it's like 3,000 uh, 3,
0: bucks for... Yeah, it's sad. not even that bad. No, Ow. okay. No,
1: but there's, you know... Uh, Six hundred people who are going for one job. So right. that's kind of well, and that's what
0: I say to actors all the time. It could be a a, a three line co star on Criminal Minds, mm-hmm. and three thousand actors are submitted every yeah. day for that role. Uh huh. How do you get?
1: <laughs> so basically, you know, you got to find someone to work with them. That's how I. That's how I see it. Is mm-hmm. that in this day and age, uh, if you don't make your own stuff, you know, it's harder and harder to be seen
0: you sound exactly like me <laughs>
1: yeah yeah because we work in the same industry yeah
0: and it's it's uh this is i don't mean this competitively do you think it's harder to be a working composer or a working actor i feel like it's harder right to be now, a working composer
1: i would say composer it's like everyone because i can get people so to click when on you say you're an actor of... no one goes oh how do you get into that that's the number one oh, question yeah. I get. Is oh, how do you find jobs in that, or how do you get into that? So my next question is, uh, how do you get into huge? <laughs>
0: <laughs> just... Um, um. So okay, so by making your own stuff, uh-huh. um, SoundCloud, that's got to be a big deal, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, it's it's more finding a director that needs you, or mm. you know, connecting connected who you know. That's that's the age old like right. saying. So.
0: So, with there being, because, I mean, again, we just named, you know, I and maybe I'm different that I pay attention, because I'm such a film nerd, I pay attention to the composer. All I, I, I... How many do you think, I mean, I think a lot of people know who John Williams is. I'm talking normal uh, people, not less Hollywood Less and less people folks.
1: these days are, are knowing who John Williams is, I'll be honest. People consume well, media so
0: much differently. It, it, back in mm-hmm. in the days when it was like the glory days of cinema, yeah, people cared. It's like that's Alfred Hitchcock's movie starring yes. Cary Grant. Yes. Uh, you know, the screenwriter was X, Y, and Z. People cared about that. Now it's like they just watch it and it either sucks or it doesn't. Uh huh. Either it catches fire on Twitter or it doesn't. Kind yeah. of thing. The and pe- I hate
1: that. My coworkers right now, because I work at CPK right now, just because you know. Composer's not gonna you know save my my life right now, so th- my coworkers were like, oh so wh- which composer do you like? And then they name the ones that they know. They only say John Williams, Hans Zimmer. That's Those it. are the, yeah. That's basically it. Mine. And right now Hans Zimmer is the top. He is the top right now. Right. And it's just hard to find the jobs when people like that are you know.
0: Do you think people know Hans Zimmer because of that stupid sound?
1: No, so he actually does really well for the industry right now. Is so age old Hollywood had you know these composers. And I'm not saying
0: that represents him. Yeah.
1: I'm saying that's that's just what people recognize him
0: for. Like, <laughs> if I say Brad Pitt, you're probably gonna say Fight Club. Fight Club, yeah. I think Hans Zimmer, and that noise pops in my head. The you know what I'm talking about? Oh the, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. That's but you know what I'm talking yeah, about.
1: Yeah. Um, well, but so his whole his whole thing is that he has built a studio of compu- of composers mm-hmm. under his belt. Now, my problem with it is that he may not do. He may have put his name on stuff that he hasn't done work on. Right. Or that he's done very minimal work on, but you know that's a whole different topic we could talk about. Well,
0: he's almost built a factory, like. He, that, but that's it. But he's also getting work composers' jobs. That's yeah.
1: That's the other side of it. Is that that's how p r Toprak, who I mentioned earlier, that's how she got into it because she worked under him.
2: Yeah.
1: And she did some stuff for him. I think she did some stuff on Wonder Woman, even like. So. It's, incredible. Yeah, it's just. It's who you know. It's really, it's really bizarre kind of industry, but like. People do it, and I'm, you and I are trying, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a ongoing effort not only to get better, mm-hmm. but then also to get in... Well, n- not only to get better at your craft, but also to figure out what is going to make your craft stand out, like what, what makes it special. Also, it it's many...
1: like, what level do you want to be at? Do you care if you're known by, you know, someone walking down the street? Or do you, you know...
0: Yeah, I, that's a great point, too. Yeah. Like, for me, I... At the very minimum, I just I would love to just, like if if to me it would be a huge success to make just sixty thousand a year from just yeah. acting. If I could buy a house it is.
1: and just survive on that. You exactly. Know? exactly. That's exactly. all I need. That's it. It's, but it,
0: I don't need to be rich and famous. I don't need that. I, I just want to. be whole able to goal is continue. I
1: want to. I want to make music every day. That's it. Yeah. See,
0: that's that's what I'm talking about. Because I just had that thought the other day of like. I'm having so much fun making these videos mm-hmm. and writing my screenplays yeah. and making these podcasts and going to these classes and doing plays, whatever it may be. I do all kinds of stuff. Uh, if all that was paying me enough money where I didn't have to, you know, sling coffee, it would be the best. Yeah. It would be, I'd be fine. I would, I would still dream of more, but I'd be fine yeah. with that. Like, if, you know... I think about all the time what if somebody said no more acting you don't get to do any more ever I don't know that I want to be here anymore like (laughs) that's a sad thing to say out loud but this is what I this is who I am Mm -hmm. again to talk about all the time we took in those rooms by ourselves it's who I made myself I was just a snot-nosed kid in a room clanking away typing up (laughs) scripts and watching movies and reading acting books and then I started auditioning, and I started doing plays, and then I started making my own movies, and eventually, again, it became it's my hobby, it's it's my career, it's it's how I n- have my friends, yeah. it's how people um, identify me, mm-hmm. Stephen Bailey, actor. Yeah. They don't go Stephen Bailey, uh, you know, um, construction worker or something, whatever maybe I don't know, <laughs> uh, but Greg, musician. Yeah. That's it. I like. That's your identity. So to have your identity taken away, <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's rough. Yeah, be rough. It would be rough. And go
0: now. Just go I mean, and,
1: and that's what I was doing before. I was like, Shh, I can't. I can't. I was gonna go into accounting. No thanks. Did
0: you study? Was that? I studied. You it, you I was good long? at
1: it. It was fine, but right. it's not what would have made me happy. How long
0: did you pull away from music?
1: Uh oh, I was still always playing music, but you
0: never. You've never taken a break. Mm Interesting. No. Not really. I only took, I would say, two breaks my entire life. They're very short. Yeah. Um, And one of the breaks isn't <laughs> really... Actually, it's pretty much just one break. It just happened over the course of a few months, over the course of a year. But in that time, I was still, like, teaching ballroom dance and things like that. And yeah. I was still, like, watching movies and reading about acting and doing exercises. Because it's your hobby, yeah. Yeah, so, like but you i I went like a year it. without doing a play or making anything back then and granted this is I was twenty one figuring it all out yeah um I don't know man it's like it it's it's when your whole life is wrapped up in it and then you're looking at these industries that are not keeping up with the changing times mm-hmm. and with the changing times people are in a lot of ways, disrespecting these art forms by treating them all as equivalent to social media content, that kind of hurts my heart. And I'm trying to, I guess part of my mission statement, I want to know what you feel about this, is to ignite people into yeah. loving the arts again and, and, and to bring some fucking poetry back into the shit <laughs> and bring some heightening back into it, back to all art forms. I mean, you know, if you think about, you know, um, da Vinci, you know, painting and and creating and and, and that sounds so romantic to me. It really does. And the respect that he was given and the respect that we still give those works. I wish that, that could be sort of, I would, like, I, I'm just rambling here. Scorsese's big on this, about, yeah. like, he says cinema is dying because we're not, what we're doing isn't cinema.
1: Yeah. And well, I and agree that's the with whole. That. I don't know if you know what's going on right now with Steven Spiel, Spielberg and the whole Netflix thing.
0: Well, no, I, I saw the headline. Tell me what happened. Yeah,
1: so basically he's like, I don't think Netflix should uh, be a contender for any Oscars or awards. And it's because movies were meant to be seen in theaters and they should be worldwide in theater. Well, who says, hold on.
0: I'm gonna, I love Spielberg, mm-hmm. but who says that they were supposed to be in theaters? They were shown in theaters because that's the way to make a dollar. I'm probably off
1: misrepresenting them. his quote, but. No, but I
0: know what you're saying because he yeah. said this stuff before. Yeah,
1: and so Netflix, uh, they wrote a statement on, I think, Twitter, obviously, because, you know, everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> And what they were saying was that not everyone has access to going to the movies, or not everyone has you know fifteen dollars to plunk yeah the means to see that. So you know, giving them the opportunity to do it that way, while having a limited release in theaters, just so they could you know be qualified for the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. and they believe in it just as much as you know he he might, but maybe they don't. Who knows? And
0: I'm so guilty of this. I'm uh, a hypocrite because I love the movie theater. But I have a, a catch-22 here. I'm not going because I'm too busy, one, making stuff. Yeah. And two, well, two, it's expensive. But two, the movies that these studios are greenlighting are not good. They're not. The best stuff that's coming out is on Netflix. Yeah. And yes, there's tentpole um, directors like Spielberg who makes Ready Player One. I get my ass into the theater yeah. three times. Scorsese drops a movie, drops a movie, I don't think he What if What if Scorsese was like, yeah, the yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping a movie. I'm dropping i I'm, dro- I'm dropping the Irishman. It's going to drop on, a... <laughs> but I ha- I've only missed two of his movies since I've been alive in theaters. Like, I go. Here's some behind the scenes trivia for a quick intermission. I had to take a break because my wife Shannon brought home Barney at this time and he was going bananas because he had just gotten his hair cut. And now back to the show. So, you're saying so you went to when you went to Europe? Did you go? Were they
1: mostly Catholic
0: churches that you were going
1: to? Uh, we didn't go to a lot, but like we went to Notre Dame. Not- I can't even say it. Notre Dame. Yeah, that. There you go. <laughs> it, it would be hard add an for S me that
0: to be that. That's in Paris, right? <laughs> yeah. It would hard for and me we, to go there we stayed and stay by say there. And it Notre was
1: Dame. that is probably my most my f- most favorite architectural building ever ever. Um, we didn't go we, up to the Bells, but next time we go, I want to... See if Quasimodo's oh, up there. For sure. Yeah.
0: Which uh, countries did you guys
1: go to? Uh, so, countries or places? Places. Cause, with uh, sounds. Uh, I'm not the best with the countries when it comes to Europe, but... So we went to Amsterdam.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, whatever country you want to call that. Did in. you guys
0: um, <laughs> partake in Amsterdam?
1: Uh, I did. Definitely <laughs> a lot more than she did. She wussed out. Why I, she was on vacation? Uh, edibles are not her thing, and, oh, she, and you, you got to be careful there because it's a lot more than you think. Power potent,
0: you're saying. Yes, did they didn't have like just places to? They did. She oh, didn't. Okay. She
1: didn't trust that there was gonna be like tobacco in her thing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was hilarious uh, because the place we stayed at was right across from the most popular one in all of Amsterdam. Uh huh. And she's just gonna like, be so
0: pissed when she hears it. Oh, I'm sure. Police, I love you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really want to go. So, Amsterdam,
1: Paris. Amsterdam, Paris. We went to Belgium, which was pretty fun. It was uh, like the, I would say, the laid back portion of the trip. Okay. Because there wasn't like, it's not like the place you need to go to, but right. it it's a good place. Beautiful, yeah. you know, but it's Belgium. I really want to go. We've been talking about it. Um, I think everyone in their lifetime needs to travel to as many places as possible. I agree. That's and a big philosophy That's of a big goal of mine to get more traveling in, even just in the States.
0: Where are the places that you haven't gone that you want to...
1: Oh. Let's, start, well,
0: let's divide that up, too, because <laughs> where are the, do you, what are the places in the United States that you haven't gone that you're, like...
1: Uh, I haven't been to Tennessee, you know, Nashville, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Oh, no. um, just Seattle I haven't been to, and I've been close to it, but I haven't been there. Mm-hmm. Um I've been to Oregon but I haven't been to like Portland. Right. You know, the big places like that. Like I haven't been to Austin. I've been to, you know, New York and New Mexico. But like
0: it's funny that all the three places that you named are all like these music
2: yeah, musically
0: right? iconic yeah. cities and uh yeah. Those are all, you know, and it's silly not to take the road trip straight up from LA to Portland and well living in california
1: so, yeah. every summer i would take road trips up north with my friends and we so i know all of you know california right but you know
0: i still know very little uh of california. oh we
1: need to do like road tripping like yeah, serious we, road no trip
0: well we should do the one straight up to washington and back because i want to do yeah. that and then i told you canada, that you know I, and i've never been to canada which yeah. is so stupid because i lived shannon makes fun of me all the time it was like a four-hour or five-hour drive from where I was in Indiana to New York. I never went. It was like five hours straight oh, to go to Canada. Oh, I would have
1: been there I just never did any of that yeah. stuff.
0: I don't know why. I think I was just too Well, that's like I
1: live, what, three hours from Mexico? I've never been there.
0: Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. 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 What's the closest one to us? Do you want to?
1: Yeah. If you want That's kind of crazy, though. Yeah.
0: Like, but... Eh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so back... Back to, oh, wait, uh, and the countries. Which countries did you not travel yet that you want to?
1: Um,
0: Like, what are your top three?
1: Well, we wanted to go to Denmark. We wanted to go to, I want to go to Australia, for sure. I mean, I'm hearing Taylor talk all about it, and Um, and Brian Precho, who's been there, has talked about it, you know. Uh, China, Japan, like, Mm. these places, like.
0: Japan's high on my list.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say Canada, I mean, we just talked about it.
0: Canada feels so much like
1: our area that it's like... I was at work the other day, and I, and I met this guy, and he was getting food. Because he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here from Canada. And <laughs> and he's like, you're you, you they talk about us being nice, but you guys are so much nicer than we are. I was like, no. Uh, I disagree. That's nah. nice bullshit. Out
0: nope. of all the traveling I've done, I come home every time, like, Americans are very rude. Yeah. Very rude, inconsiderate, uh, distracted.
1: They say that about ugh, French people right yeah and we went to paris that? i not really no no
0: yeah the whole that's that's kind of like the the cliche I criticism think, is like yeah. they're snooty
1: yeah like so i think what helped was that felice knows a little bit of french and then she mm. talked she tried to talk to them in as much as she could in in french and then right. they're like oh american and then they would speak mm. english to you which i they're like well you tried you know yeah yeah
0: yeah. well that's what everyone uh, that I've i've talked to says is there's a respect, and that's what I gather, too. Is like they, it's like they go, oh, that's cute. You're trying. That's very yeah. endearing. You've shown. You've been vulnerable in front of me because you like, know that you can't speak. Where are in you
1: front. from? No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> spake English. Yeah. You spake English. Yeah. Like that's just see that's what I think of Americans as. Like, yeah. It, is that sort of like, we're we are the boss. We are you
1: know whatever, yeah. and it's just like. We're not Bruce Springsteen, but we're the boss.
0: We are
2: the boss.
0: (laughs) Bruce Spring Okay, so let's get back to music. The thing I haven't asked you yet. I asked you your favorite composers. I haven't asked you your favorite like musicians as far as like pop music goes. and if you want to break this down like I I hate
1: talking about this because Uh it gets it sounds very conceited because my favorite artists have the same name as me. Okay. (laughs) So there's Greg Holden. Okay. He plays like Americana pop music uh a lot of acoustic guitar stuff there's greg laswell who plays a lot of the same style music but it's it's a little more downbeat i would say like <laughs> slower piano stuff okay um it's kind of depressing but it's it's what he does and i love it um it's okay then there's just like i like all kinds of stuff like there's there's no i love jazz music you know
0: okay who are your favorite jazzies?
1: Uh, well, Lonnie's Monk, I've been getting into hard right now, um, cause I want to play piano, like, so bad, and, and trying to play his stuff, it just like, oh, I'm gonna give up, I, I'm just gonna give up, um, but, like, you know, Miles Davis, all those types, I, I just love, but right. I, I grew up on, like, Disney music mm-hmm. as a, a 90s kid, and living in that era, like, a lot of. What got me into music was like Alan Meek and stuff. So, that type of, uh, you know, fun piano pop kind of stuff is, right. is really what I, what I love. But, um,
0: so if you're just like, but if you're just like out, um, maybe on a walk or something. or no, you're in the car mm-hmm. and you're just, uh, you know, driving around doing.
1: Oh, did Stephen Bailey post? Oh,
0: podcast! Sweet. Pod, so you're, you're big on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's
1: it's not like I want to inundate myself with music twenty four seven. Oh, I understand you know? that. Yeah, yeah, I really
0: do. But to me, I, for me, I I that if I'm feeling like oh, I'm getting, I feel depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I I'll should put try Fleetwood music.
1: Mac on, for sure. Fleetwood Mac. Oh yeah, that's my favorite band of all time. Fleetwood Mac.
0: Yeah, they're they're amazing. Yeah. Uh, favorite Fleetwood song.
1: Uh, You Can Go Your Own Way, whatever that's called. I don't even go know your the own. title, but yeah. That's
0: the name of uh, the movie me and Jason are writing, and we're
1: going to try to get the rights that's, to that song. That's that right. I, I did see your post on that. Yeah. I was like, okay, you can go, go hi, hit way. me up. I'll do the music. That is what we were going to talk about. So what the movie
0: is, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, but um, I definitely want you to compose that. Now, if you composed a feature... I would have to imagine that that would be a great, like, thing for, for. Um, what's the word I'm looking gonna... for? Me as an actor, like, I can do a million short films, but yeah. that's not gonna matter as much as doing a feature film. Like I, like twenty short films does not equal one feature film. Right. A feature film is something completely. Uh-huh. Way more important. It's like you could be the mayor of a town, tw- uh-huh. over 20 towns, or you can be the president of the United States. Like, that's, yep. to me, what the difference feels like. Right. Uh, is it that way to you as a composer?
1: That's what I love about the industry, though, is, like, from a, a director to the, the composer to, you know, uh, the DP, it doesn't matter who it is, mm-hmm. they all are working together to create this one thing. And so it's not very... It, your medium might be different, but you're basically doing working all on the same thing. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you're sure.
1: just at different stages in the production, so...
0: Yeah. The... and the, I What I would love to try, too, is, like, um, just getting some music together, because I like to film while music is playing. And
1: that's... Oh, uh, there's directors out there who will, will, like, okay, so this is the idea here, either is the script, or just the basic breakdown of what I want.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or what the movie is, and then... They'll work the whole time with them on music.
0: Well, I think... And I'm... Jason's going to direct it, and I'm going to act on it and produce it. And we're co-writing it, and we're going to edit it together, blah, blah, blah. But him being the director, Mm -hmm. as his producer, I'm telling him, look, here's the things that I need you to do so that we can be on the same page and know exactly what movie we're making. And I... I hadn't thought about it before this conversation that we're having now, but I think this would be an amazing thing for a director to start developing early so that especially with this being his first feature so that he's so that he's going into it with as much as much of the movie made as possible before actually rolling camera. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. Um I and when it's time for me to direct my first feature, I, I'm going to probably do the same thing because I, I I would just have to imagine, like, going into it, it helps you communicate to your actors, mm-hmm. helps you communicate to your DP, look, this is the tempo of the movie, this is the tone of the movie, this is, you know, the way this scene's going to feel. Here, let me make you feel and that's, in life That's, that's the whole
1: thing with, with working inside the box now and why it became that way mm-hmm. musically for a film is because... You can make a whole mock-up, as they call it, they call it the mock-up, yeah. where you produce what will be the music for the movie, right. just not recorded in the, in the same right, so that they can get the feel, they can get exactly what, they can see what you wrote and, and what it's going to be when they actually record it live.
0: I can't remember who I was listening to, but they were saying that you shouldn't use uh, temp tracks. I think it might have been Chris Nolan.
1: That's a lot of them now. Say that. It, it, that they're not I doing
0: that because it, then the composer will come back with something that is either too much like what the temp track was, and they used a temp track from like Jurassic Park, and they're like, no, I didn't want Jurassic Park. I wanted you to create something original, but just... So they're like, no, just create something... And we'll feel it
1: out. That's very Chris Nolan. Like, if you listen to Batman or if. Well, nothing feels like his scores. Exactly. and Even though,
0: you know, that composer has done. Yeah. But the beauty with
1: Chris Nolan is he'll sit for six hours with Hans Zimmer in the studio and work on the music together.
0: Wouldn't you love to be a flying wall for that? Is there any video of that?
1: Oh, there's tons of it, I'm sure. I'll have to look that up. But I know there's a lot of Hans Zimmer stuff, but I don't know about Chris Nolan and Zimmer stuff.
0: So. You did the uh, Hans Zimmer master class thing.
1: I did, yeah. Did you
0: learn anything from that?
1: Uh, did I learn? Or I, was it just I fun learned to, like, pro- I learned hear his process. process? I learned his process. Right. Yeah.
0: Is there anything that you took from it that you're like, oh, I'll start doing that?
1: Um, there's some stuff, but not really, if I'm honest. Right. Um, it's basically just, like, so, I, From from my standpoint, I don't have the experience of a professional setting as far as you know
0: his crazy studio
1: yeah that kind of he's got a beautiful studio he's got a beautiful studio that he's been building since the 80s so he's got all kinds of crap in there and to see him how he would you know go do his thing is just not where i'm at yet so tell me
0: as much as you can about what your process is as far as like okay Let's just say I'm the director of the film that you're composing. Yes. I send you over the film. There's no music on it. It's a rough cut. Uh It still needs tightening. It's got some sound effects, maybe. A little bit of sound Uh mixing done. No music whatsoever. A lot of
1: the time, it'll be cut up into the scenes only.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. They just send you the scene.
1: I've, I've had that happen a lot, yeah. I don't think yeah. I would
0: do that as a director. I would Please send you don't. the full <laughs> thing. I think that's stupid because yes. I want you to see the entirety of the film, yep. and then I want you to go back and help right. with music. I don't want you to it watch something out It depends on how the director
1: actually works because I've worked with directors where they they tell me specifically I need this kind of sound or I need this kind of feel. Uh-huh. And do they, maybe send with this. they send you examples? So in the clip, they have written comments Right here, do this. Right here, something. He Literally, I've seen one where it just says, something here. And I'm like, uh... What the hell does that mean? Yeah.
0: Just one note. And, and, I, and then I had to
1: ask him, do you want music throughout the whole scene? Do you want music just... Because he wrote a whole thing on top that went through the whole scene, and, and it said, you know, this kind of feel, this intense, creepy feel to it. Mm-hmm. And then I had to ask him... Well, do you want it throughout the whole thing, or just when it says something here, something here, something here? Right. And it was very confusing, but it worked out, and it. But that's the
0: thing with a lot of directors that I've noticed. Like, directing is not easy, and I'm still learning. I've directed quite a, mm-hmm. a number of things.
1: It's also time constraints too, though. Like, to get things to someone else to so the they can work on it. The
0: most important thing is. Um, communication yes and a lot of directors can't communicate they're that's what i'm saying on, is, yeah. is they
1: that's what i've noticed is that they have a vision in their head they have a vision maybe they've written down they don't even have it in their head they just re- wrote it down somewhere or maybe they're just like back to it. i feel
0: like most directors are like bullshitting and just on riffing the on the fly and it's like well we can feel that in your film you can Just see so that so you know and
1: that's what makes a good film from a not good film. Is if you have the actual vision for what you want to start, and you build it throughout. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. So I send you. So let's go back to your process. Yeah. I send you the, the the rough cut. Yes. And I say to you, okay, so Greg, this is a, um, it's a, a short, three minute horror film. Mm. I need composition from second one to fading Ooh, out I would closing love credits. To do that. I actually do have this uh, coming up. <laughs> cool. Um, and I could say I want it to be eerie and ominous. Is that enough? What does a... Well, the problem uh, is
1: that I can, give, I can present you with this is what I depict as eerie and ominous for your film. Is this the tone that you wanted? Is this the feel that you were going for? Is this too much? Is this too little? What, there's, there's a lot of questions, and that's why I'm sitting down with the director... And the, having the project in front of us, and actually going over, you know, and taking yeah. notes, and figuring out, okay, here maybe this, and then I maybe I can suggest something to you. To or... me, I think
0: the way that I would want to work is, and tell me if this is too crazy. Like to me, I would I would say, here's what I want, da da da, time codes. I kind of love the idea of letting you, because you're gonna do a director would learn two things. Mm-hmm. The idea of you taking the movie and making what you think the music should be shows me how the movie's being perceived by yeah. someone that's not me. Right. Because so many times I make things, it's the same way about me going through life. Like, I walk around thinking well, I make people feel a... Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. think I make people feel a certain way, and then you find out, like, no, they thought you were being an asshole the whole time. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I thought I was being <laughs> silly and polite the yeah. whole time, and I thought I was being reserved or whatever. Um, it's the same thing with filmmaking. Like, I'll think that something's funny and or communicating the thesis or whatever it might be the the right way, and then come to find out people didn't get any of it or they thought it was uh, too crass or too, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I love other people's opinions so much. I The more I do this, the more I realize, like, I think, oh, I just want to be in service of other people's enjoyment.
1: I think, it, so that's twofold for, for the industry, I think, of making a film, for me, because... Yes, you want to uh, give someone what they want, you know, and please people and make them sure. feel certain ways that they want to feel. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think having your perspective on a situation, because there's so much out there, there's so much stuff out there, you don't want it all to be the, exactly the same. No, you know? not at all. Yeah. No, And the more we collaborate, the more we yes. can mix that Rubik's Cube up that's why up a bit. someone like... Chris Nolan is, is great because he has his view mm-hmm. and he knows what he wants Yeah, and he goes in and he, he tries it as best as he can. You yeah, know? and
0: I'm not saying like if you came back with a score that I wouldn't have notes, I absolutely would. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, you know, I wish that, and I, I guarantee you this would probably happen, I wish the piano was more of a
1: full, uh, warm And that's sound something that whatever, I whatever. like, like to hear things, though because right, I want to know tweaks. that I'm doing what you But I wonder how many, like,
0: because I've uh, spent time with music and things like that, I'm sure there's tons of directors that don't, they couldn't play a D chord on a guitar. No. They could. They w- couldn't tell you how many notes are mm-hmm. in a scale. They can't tell you any of that stuff. So they're not gonna know how to communicate that to you. Mm-hmm. Going back to what we talked about with directors talking to actors, they probably don't know what to say to you. They're just like, please. I hope that you're able to give me something that it, I, 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 They don't even. They probably don't even have anything in their head.
2: No.
0: I kind of hear music when mm-hmm. I see. I know what fits. Yeah. There's something very fun to me about going through a catalog of uh, scores and plugging them into, the, or just playing them. I know if I plug that. I don't even have to try plugging it in and watching it with the music. So I can hear it and know like a temp it's right.
1: track kind of thing? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just drop them in and I go, yep, it worked. I, I, I can always just feel it. I know it when I hear it if it's going to work or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have settled a lot because Mm -hmm. i haven't gotten to work with a composer so i'm very excited to do that with you
1: um it's also like you have specifics maybe you have spots in the film where you want to hit here hit here and do this and that and you can't really do that because you just set a music in there
0: yeah um it's it's a it's a fun process like of making films something i liked when i
1: took film scoring was adding like something i didn't create like a pop song or whatever and put it into the scene and making it fit around the music that I, that I wrote or, or going from like a fade in to that song to fade out to my music or you know f- fade in Sure. you know and have you been
0: so bold as to say you know if you cut this and this to do this we could do
1: this with the I haven't music. done that yet I haven't got there yet but
0: I, I would love that ballsiness of being like you know what if you did like a, a quick jump cut here to make the music yeah. pop like I'd be like yeah absolutely like if it if you can and get those that's w-
1: flourishes that's why I want to work with people who you know I can actually w- communicate with yeah. and work with because, Yeah. and
0: you know What's well, going to be fun that, you know the 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 projects that I have and knowing that like it's it's nice now that you're done with school because we can actually work yeah, together and because I can actually and that's do this. probably one of the main reasons I didn't bring you anything is because I felt your plate was full. That's what it appeared yeah. like from the outside. Well,
1: and the problem is like I wrote the music to your theme. Mm-hmm. I was looking back today in November. November. <laughs> and that's how long it took me to get here. Like
0: It's not just you. it's not you though. It's it's also me. Like I in November, that's when I started doing our town and Yeah. I've been going really hard at you know creating as many things as I can, pumping mm-hmm. out, you know, videos and everything else that I've been doing. Um So so it's going to be fun, though. Now, it's like we're both... I think we're both in a really cool place where now we can start our Mm -hmm. artistry relationship and, uh, you know, start... You know, because the more people I have to help me, the more I can generate work for other people. Like, I consider myself not responsible for other people, but I love helping other people out. Like, there's the girl I did um, our time with, uh, Gabby Segrist, I'll just call her out. uh, She... And I had great chemistry in the play. And so I'm like, you know what? She's, and she's brand new to LA. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, we have the chemistry. She's got a, you know, she's a nice person. And she's also very, very talented. I'm like, just let me help you. I'll make you SAG eligible. I'll uh, put you in these other things that I think you're perfect for. That if you help me, I can help you. And I love that. I love having that opportunity to help yeah. other people by having them help me because I get to live my dream and give other people their dream. And because I've been blessed and fortunate enough to maybe have equipment at my disposal or have the know-how or the talent to write and direct and whatever, it is, I'm patting myself on the back a lot. But what I'm, I'm not trying to, what I'm trying to say is like I do have these blessings, I guess you could call them, to be able to create whatever I want Sort of whatever I want, and but the problem that I was running into was I just didn't have the people to do the things, and now I feel like it's all kind of coming
1: together. Yeah,
0: like I feel like everyone's kind of ready, and as well as I'm ready. Like it's funny how time works out that way. So
1: I have a question. Hit me. Uh, going back to the plays you just mentioned that you yeah. were in, uh, your last two, when I saw the the productions, there was music going on. Yes. So. Uh, The last one, there was James Horner music Uh playing, and I I immediately was like, oh, James Horner. They're playing James Horner right now. This is amazing. Do you know, like, how all that comes together and who puts that together? The music, is that the director? The director, the the...
0: director. So Stan Brown directed Our Town. Okay. Is that the one you heard?
1: That was the Dan Warner. Warners one, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, like, there was Old Brotherware out there on right, the other one.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, Inside and Davis yes. As well. Yes, Inside and so, so, Davis, that's what uh, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah, the Rainmaker, uh, we wanted that very folksy kind of dust bowl feeling. Um, and so, like, with the Rainmaker, I put my two cents in. With Our Town, I didn't. I had too much on my plate.
2: Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was just the director... Picking out songs, interstitial music to... And he just hands it over to the tech booth, and mm-hmm. they just put it into the board, uh, and it goes cue to cue, plays the music on mm-hmm. cue, fades it, da-da-da, it's all pre-programmed. Uh, but yeah, it's just the director just picking out what he wants tonally. I don't know how he came upon that. I would love to talk no, to and him about f- that. It but. fit
1: perfectly for the scene that it was, it was in. Right. And for me... It's just it's funny because I'm like I was just listening to that in my car and now I'm listening <laughs> to it here. Yeah, watching my friend on stage. Well, isn't
0: it funny too that yeah to we don't think that we're gonna hear music that we know when we go see a play, yeah. especially when it's a play that takes place in 1905. You know, and it was written in 1946. I believe. Because in my head, I,
1: I I'm not really a huge like uh, re. I wouldn't call it regional theater, but community community theater. Um, Aficionado, sure. per se, but to know, I just think of music as oh, there's just music that everyone has that uses it when they do oh, this I play. See. You know, yeah. like there's one piece of music and it goes for that play. Well, I think I the
0: did. beauty of that, the reason it's changed is because music is so easily accessible to not only download and take from place to place, yeah. but easier to play. Was,
1: was there an actual? Is that a thing? Yeah. Where yeah. they had like this was our town's music. Oh no.
0: Oh oh I see. Yes. Um so like, like some plays do have So, like, The Rainmaker scores. had its own
1: music and then S- yeah, this, some and plays you, they chose do. not to use it.
0: Right. Some plays do. Some plays like right. I think um I think the Glass Menagerie has exact music that must be played. No, because I, there's a feature sure,
1: like written. Yeah, I'm sure like if you take a movie and then make it to a play, that's different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, with the Glass Menagerie, though, that was, even in the on Broadway, like they, they had a theme, and in the back yeah. of the play, it's like, okay, so in order to get the yeah. copy of this, because back in the days of, like, let's say, cassettes, right? Mm-hmm. So you're doing, let's say you're going to perform Glass Menagerie in the back of the script, it's like, to order your cassette, send a $20 check to 5892 <laughs> P.O. Box, whatever. Yes. Um, today, it's like, go download this song yeah. off iTunes, whatever, and then you can play it mm-hmm. through your board. Um I don't know all the laws <laughs> uh, about what's illegal and what's not, but I mean, I could I've done so many of these plays where people are playing other people's music, going back to, you know, back in the day, uh, people these songs are being played, these pop tunes, mm-hmm. and they set the scene so well and it, it, it it's accessible to me or it makes it makes my character and the play accessible because as an actor, I listen to music. I make soundtracks for my characters yeah. and I listen to certain songs before I go into certain scenes. So it doesn't make any sense because it was 1904 and there wasn't even an automobile in the town of our town of Grover's Corners in our town. But the song that I chose for George and Emily was Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. because it's all about wanting to get out and wanting to have this girl That he's been flirting with, and this is in the song, uh, you know, screen door slams, Mary's dress waves, and then he's asking her to get in his car at the end and leave this town full of losers. Yeah. So I felt like that was perfect for George and Emily, also because um, in the play, Emily is said to be like kind of just a normal looking girl. She's not a beauty. And there's a line in Thunder Road, you're not a beauty, but hey, you're all right. So I was like, okay, that's my song. So that's how I put that together. And regardless of what the lyrics are, take all that away. It was also just the feeling of the music mm-hmm. uh, made me feel the way that I imagined George felt. So yes. when I play that music, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's what a director should be getting at when they pick music for their plays, but some of them do not.
1: Nope. <laughs> some literally just play to the scene. and, yeah. uh, Like... Yeah, it's just hard sometimes.
0: <laughs> so let's go back to Berkeley for one second. Um, well, first of all, what was your favorite class? Did I ask you that? We asked, like, what the ones you tripped.
1: Oh, music theory. I took four of them, uh-huh. like four music theory classes, my favorite. How The hard? hardest classes I've sure. ever taken.
0: Let's go to, like, music theory four, whatever that class yeah. was called. Yeah, music theory four. How hard was that shit?
1: It was... Like, give me some examples. Well, by the time coming. I got there, it wasn't nearly as hard as... as when i started oh so like two know.
0: might have been the hardest
1: two actually was the hardest for yeah, me. i would imagine because yeah you, you i took that twice to get complex yep, like took that one twice yep. oh really yeah oh, one wow. of the, the teacher one of the teachers i had i forget his name but he had a play on broadway i believe and he was the hardest teacher i've ever had wow but like i thank him every day for that right because I wouldn't be, you know, doing what I'm doing now. The ones now that we hate in the moment are the
0: ones we look back on and go, I'm glad he kicked my ass. Oh, yeah. Because now I'm the yeah. shit, and it's because of him.
1: Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep.
0: This whole soft teaching thing is nonsense to me. Now, I'm not saying scream at your students. But yeah, it's I'm, not uh, what a whiplash level. Hold, but... No. But hold people to a high standard. Yeah. You know, don't make them feel like shit if they don't reach it. But let them know, like, and that's how, this is what I that's expect to And that's how my teachers
1: be. were. But also, my teachers were also people who were actively working in the industry so oh there you go yeah so they you know oh i'm gonna take they might see it as a side job or they might see it as a second job or they might see it as you know I volunteer need volunteer work <laughs> i don't know <laughs> whatever I don't it might know. be whatever they're but you know or this is what i'm doing right now until i do this or mm-hmm. that so it's just yeah
0: it's uh It's very cool, though, and that's, you know, I say that all the time to people who are like, should I go to film school, should I go to theater school? I always say, well, first of all, you're going to get a great network out of it, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very important. And hopefully you find a mentor that sticks with you throughout your career, or at least a teacher that you could always reach back out to, and hopefully there's a teacher with experience. Because, I mean, I, I had teachers that, you know, had only done, like, community theater when I was in college. These are college professors... They'd only done community theater, got uh, and got through you know, enough credits to become a professor, and that's it. That's all they could do was tell me about those. So they can't tell me what it's like to be on Broadway. They can't tell me what it's like to be on a, a TV set as a co-star or as a guest star. They can't tell me any of that stuff. So therefore, you can only... you Once the class is done, you can't ask them for any other advice because you're now surpassing them. You're taking the... Little nugget of knowledge that they can give you, yeah. and then now they're done. So, like for you to be going to Berkeley ah. and to be working with real composers that are in the industry, huge because it's because it's um, it's huge because it's um, they're not they're not selling you a bill of goods. It's no. not snake oil salesmen. It's the real deal. Like it's not somebody that's guessing, like. Here I'm teaching you this because I've heard through the grapevine that this is what yes it's like. Yeah It's like no no no. you don't know what it's like to be in the, like I've had so many people try to tell me what the industry is and It's like you're not in the industry. You don't know mm-hmm. you don't know what it's like. Yeah, so you can't tell me
1: I, I just recently went to an alumni event for Berkeley. It was at the Skirball Center And that's exactly what they were talking about is that this is, you know, I was meeting a bunch of people I'd never know. I never Mm -hmm. met because I didn't go to the school. Right. And I was like the only online student there. And And
0: how, but I'm glad you did go though because.
1: Yeah. I met this guy who does his own podcast and who's really nice to me. And I met this other girl who goes to UCLA right now. Getting her master's degree, and she was really nice and gave me her information, and I met, like, all these people. and
0: That's it, dude.
1: But, and knowing the experience that they have, and what they do, and, like, all their knowledge that they can give to me is great. Anything. Anything.
0: Anything that you don't know that they have access to is is power. Yeah.
1: Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power.
0: Um, so, let me see here. Um, oh, I, you know what? I, I wanted to talk to you about this. I, I turn on Silence of the Lambs.
1: Oh, Howard Shore. Howard Shore. That score is insane. That is insane. You see... What are your... Life? Everyone... So, Howard Shore is very interesting to me because everyone thinks Lord of the Rings right away. Okay. Right away. That's, that's what he does. But he was the Silence of the Lambs guy for the longest time. So, when I was graduating... I would
0: argue Silence of the Lambs is a better
1: score. Uh, I don't know about that but
0: <laughs> I, I think so i hear yeah, but that's I also hear...
1: opinion yeah that's definitely yeah no that's, yeah. that's completely
0: opinion right but
1: but so when i was graduating i actually went to boston to graduate mm-hmm. which was amazing and i met this guy who was um in line with me he lives in costa rica mm. so now i have a, a friend in costa rica and we were talking oh who's your favorite um composer and he immediately was like howard shore and just went On a little tangent about it. But this guy does like, he writes ballet music in Costa Rica and yeah, yeah, and he's like dancing on stage all the time and and does like Tchaikovsky kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's great. What do you think of uh, Thomas Newman? Thomas Newman is amazing. I think think so too. He's one of my favorite young. the, the, The sounds that he has added to. The complexity of sound that he has added to, and this is where the sound comes in. When you mentioned that earlier, you mm-hmm. said using the word sound is you could totally talk about Thomas Newman because he's created this whole unique sound of all his own that is just it's gorgeous, right? And it works seamlessly in in any movie he's done. Like
0: when you think of Thomas Newman, which score comes to mind?
1: Uh, Road to Perdition. The the did Finding you Nemo.
0: Finding Nemo. <laughs> The first one that comes to my mind because I've heard it all the time was actually uh, the newsroom.
1: The TV show. The TV show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's I could listen to that. I, I Like have, I kind of want to put that on my phone and just like have it play sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it's great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it but uh, you know, okay. So uh, winding down, I have two questions for you. Yeah. Well, no, no, I have three. Let me talk about this. What's What's it like for you on your side? With Felice, uh, your wife, um, the, the give and take of being a, a composer, you know, working on it all the time. Like, how are you finding a balance in your marriage and a balance in your life?
1: So, luckily right now, I don't have a 9-to-5 day job, so I can spend the day studying music uh, listening to stuff I haven't listened to before. I can use that time to practice, to write, to do things. And then uh, she works as a teacher, so she has her 9-to-5 job. So she has to go to bed at a certain time, right? So when she goes to bed, there's more time for me to work and do things. And it's, same, same. Yeah, it's like the give and take of, like, okay, this is the chunk of time that you need to spend you know, with her and do that kind of stuff. And, like, when I have days off, I don't do anything with music. I'll just go... Hang out with her, or you know, Right. whatever right. it may be. She has her podcast, so she has a lot of stuff going on too. So it's it's Helps. finding it does, but it's, it's also hard to find that time, you know. Together, together for we, sure. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, we we are definitely me and Shannon are definitely big on like scheduling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the date night. You have night. to Should yeah. We
1: share. Are Most of the time it's like, okay, I bought tickets for this thing, so we're going to be together on this day. Yeah,
0: that's a lot of what it is, yeah. is. We are buying a lot of tickets to things to mm-hmm. make sure that there's a set date yeah. night. Because if it's like, you know, well, maybe we can go to dinner Wednesday. Nine times <laughs> out of ten we're like, no, nah, let's just watch TV and yep. just sit and chill uh-huh, for a while. Uh-huh. Which is fine, because we need that So too. our
1: time together right now is we've blown through Game of Thrones, rewatching that. <laughs> so we're on the last season until right. the new one comes out and next month, which... Exciting oh, for you? yeah. I, oh, yeah. I wish I cared. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, uh, people are begging. I might try it. When I did, Shannon's even like, when I did all my right, interview at Huns,
1: uh, at, for the Hans Zimmer thing, internship mm-hmm. that I might be going to, I don't know what's going on with that, but that's a whole other thing.
0: I, that's my next question.
1: Can, uh, we, can we talk about that at all? Yeah, we can okay, definitely great. talk about all that. Right. You want to talk about that now?
0: No, finish, finish what you're saying.
1: Uh, but when I went there, uh, I was getting ready to leave, and I, they give you a, a little badge, so I was putting that down, giving it to the receptionist, and she was on the phone. She was like, "Oh, go to Ramin's office and do blah 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 blah." I didn't care what she was talking about. She just said Ramin's office. I was like, "Can I go? I, I'm, I, I'm, because he's the Game of Thrones right. guy, and it just was like, I will do anything you want right now. <laughs> uh, it might get weird, but let's 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 talk. Let's talk it out. So." Well, let me transition...
0: Oh, wait. So, before we go to the, the Hans Zimmer internship, which is crazy, because I want you to detail that whole story, because I think it's going to be a good lesson to anyone listening to take a chance. Yeah. So, let's come to that it in a second. I might have that one up. Uh-oh. We'll see. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Break down your day for me, though. Like, you wake up, you know...
1: So, m- most of my days are spent, and I will never stop this, but studying music Mm -hmm. and practicing those are the two number one two one and two things that i do um i'm do you start like right when you wake up uh no first i work i work out that's great i like to keep myself you know busy Mm -hmm. as much as i can and i feel like working out is definitely on top of the list Mm -hmm. being healthy and all that but so i'll probably work out and then uh, I'll check emails and do, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. But then it's I get into music and I, I if I have a project I need to finish, then I'll finish that first, get, get all that out of the way. Right. And then I'll just sit at the the keyboard and go over whatever practice material I have or study material
0: mm-hmm. and just
1: spend most of my day doing that. And then I usually work at night, so.
0: Are you starting with like scales? What do you What do you mean when you start?
1: Um. So right now I'm trying to learn more. Jazz. And don't be
0: scared about like giving details, because that's really what I'm asking. Like, give me all the details. Like, okay, I'm busting out. Uh, like, what? Like. Um. Did you Did you have a normal? creative day yesterday for you like what is considered normal was yesterday
1: yesterday uh or when
0: let's go to your last like normal creative day and i literally want you to tell me all the details because i actually want (laughs) to learn what you're doing
1: um this could be a whole nother podcast just on its own i love it let's do it
0: i mean we're we're fine on time so like i mean it's it's not as glorious or,
1: or appealing as you know it might seem to you I, trust me because i turned my it, computer on i turned the keyboard on like too many details okay, okay.
0: <laughs> what i mean is like okay so you wake up like you said you, you go to the gym you come home you probably have a coffee mm-hmm. do your emails but let's go like into yeah so you, you fire up the computer and and take me through like so just the bullet points of the day
1: so right now so this is what i'll i'll Fill you in on so right now I'm trying to learn Cubase. It's a music production software and it's mostly for MIDI software, samples, and less on live stuff. So like, I have always used Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. It's my go-to. It'll always be my go-to. I'm trying to branch out and learn other things. And right now, Cubase is like the the number. I wouldn't say number one, but it's like getting up there and leading. You know the game right now. So. I'm trying to learn that as much as I can. Okay. Uh, that go- also goes back to the Hans Zimmer thing because that's what they use there, mostly.
2: Got
1: it. Um, well, at least Hans Zimmer does. But, so, uh, I'll literally watch YouTube videos of like, tutorials on this and that and try to figure out. And there's things that Pro Tools does, like just, just finding a tempo in the middle of a song. Like, you can just click and say tempo this, whereas mm-hmm. in Cubase, you have to open up this whole editor
0: Oh, I hate that! A pop I, Another pop-up window it, to yeah, go into. It's like a, That's oh, this so whole stupid.
1: editor, and then you have to. There's a line that goes, and then you have to move the line. I don't Counter understand what that shit. is. Whereas so Pro Tools, you just hit a mark and say at this time, pump it up. This tempo. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's stupid. Mm-hmm. So this sounds like as a, uh, a film editor, to me, Final Cut and Adobe go together. They're the same thing. Like, so, I use Adobe now, only Adobe Premiere, and I changed all the shortcuts in Adobe Premiere yeah. to the Final Cut presets, so I didn't have to change any of my... That's own. what
1: I did when I, I just started using Cubase, and I changed all the presets to oh, you did. Pro Tools stuff. It
0: helps a lot. Yeah. But then, like, using something like Avid, it's so counterintuitive. Like, I know how to use Avid. <laughs> I would never use Avid if I, it was just... I've heard Avid of my is my going
1: film. away, but...
0: Well, it, it serves a lot of cool purposes. Like, I used it when I was working on AGT. And this is the same
1: thing because Avid is Pro Tools. That's what Pro Tools is. Right. Avid Pro Tools. Right. And it's in the same line as that where it's, like, seems, like, it's seen as old school and very, you know, uh, yeah, just not used as much anymore. Right. But you go into any studio that's recording live instruments and what's on the studio, what's in the studio is Pro Tools. That's what they use for live right. recording. It's the nu- the number one live recording, whereas Cubase is all uh, digital in the box recorded stuff. Right. And then when you go to Logic, which is Apple, their program, it's a very it's a mixture of the two. And I feel like that might be where I need to be,
0: like, yeah,
1: as far as recording. But I haven't got there yet. Dude. I have Logic. I haven't. Re- I've used it for many things, mm-hmm. but I haven't. Like, fell, I had I haven't fallen in love with it yet, and I might have to just, you know, get myself in there and do it. But. Uh, see,
0: and that's kind of, okay, so f- for me, like, going back to, like, the premiere thing, I can't get myself away from it.
1: Pro Tools, I can't get myself away from it. Because
0: I'm still doing the work. I would have to imagine for a chef, they don't just switch knives right. all of a sudden a painter they're not just like i need all new brushes no (laughs) this brush is still good it's doing or maybe they buy the same exact brush when that Mm -hmm. brush wears out they don't just buy a new brand of brush you know what it does you know how to use it it fits in your hand like it's it's a mold that's the way i feel about adobe premiere it's the way that i feel about uh like for instance recording a podcast on garage band i know where all the things are click 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 now it's done yeah i don't have to think i just move through it when I'm editing it and s- distributing it and getting it out and, you know, I know how to work my controls on there. I know, you know, the same thing.
1: Yeah. I don't see the need to The last short, switch. The last switch. short I just worked on, I was like, okay, I'm going to use Cubase so that I can learn it just by, on the fly while I'm doing it to figure out little things. Because I know the basic outline of it. I just don't know certain... I hate
0: this. I just
1: don't know certain. So I just, I I know, I just don't know certain little things in the program, like uh, the keyboard shortcuts, that's what I changed from the Cubase standard to the Pro Tools, and I'm glad they have that, Um, but it's like, I can just do this a hundred times faster if I just use Pro Tools, and so I was like, I can't do this anymore, plus I have the starter version of Cubase, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to spend 400 bucks to get the... The, the pro yeah, yeah. and so cuz i've already spent i spent 3 grand getting pro tools like right yeah it's not cheap and that was a long and, time ago you know so.
0: i guess it's a good skill for you uh if you were going to like you said work in an internship setting or work for another composer if they do use cubase to know how to use it yes but i think yeah for your own personal work screw it but yeah i don't know i i can't, like i'm not i'm not interested me personally in working as a professional editor at this time. Yeah. So, to me, it's like, I'm doing what I need to do to get the... Like, I don't run into a situation well, it, where I, my films don't look the way that I want them to. That's the, the whole thing like is, that.
1: like, why would you switch something up if you have the same outcome as someone else and maybe yours is even better because you're more... You have com- more control, yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. That's, that's interesting. Okay, so, working on that... So, back to your daily schedule. <laughs> working on that, and then, so, like, you know... When you're practicing just music, let's say, is it like, are you doing scales or do you just go straight into like a score uh, that
1: you're... So right now I'm trying practicing. to learn jazz scales. I'm trying uh-huh. to learn blues scales. But as a composer, you don't think of... You, so when you write for picture, like let's say, let's, let's go back to Bernard Herrmann way back in the day when he was writing. He, he didn't write like, okay, I'm going to take this scale and write this. Now, if someone like John uh, Williams, being who he is, might do that. But Bernard Herman, how he does it, or how I would do it, or how I think a lot of people do it today. Hold, please.
0: This is the worst. we got to get a sound studio. Uh,
1: What the fuck? There's a trash can right outside the window where I sit and do all my stuff, and it's like, goosh! And I just, like, (laughs) 3 a.m., I'm like,
0: fucking freaked out. What is going on up there? Fuck it, just keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm not gonna wait. Um, okay. So you so you work at, so
1: so, so s- someone Bernard like Herman. someone today, instead of looking at it th- as a scale as a composer as a film composer,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you 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 are trying to make a color or a tone, it with, to match the picture to match a certain feeling. So what they do is they they'll use co- more chord based writing. So you take a chord like Bernard Herrmann has these two chords that he married together, and then he wrote a whole score based around them, basically, and in, to, to shorten it, the, the whole idea, but that's basically okay. how I see it. Like, Michael Giacchino for the movie Up. It has an amazing score. It, he won the, the Oscar for it, and he, he used, he started with just one chord and wrote around that.
0: So, you do, do you, you still feel, though, that it's important to keep growing well, as a music musician well, Music theory is
1: well, 100% right? necessary and vital. it gives you more colors, it like
0: you said, to play with. It gives you
1: a thousand more ideas that you can use. It gives you more... Although, it's sometimes it's hard to say, like, Oh, I have all this stuff. I don't know where to start, you know?
0: Well, yeah. Uh, okay, exactly. So that's, that's exactly what I'm getting at is, to me, when I'm... Because I I am still trying to be, I don't spend near enough time, and you're going to find out when we play music together that I'm not good at all, (laughs) and I never would say I am. I enjoy it. I play, the reason I play anything is because it's meditation to me. Yes. So I'm at a point where I enjoy what I'm doing, it serves its purpose, similar to how we're talking about Adobe Premiere. I play my 20 chords that I know, Mm -hmm. I can get through songs, I can sing them out loud as I play. I play about five songs, I feel good, I set the guitar down, I walk away. Yeah. Sometimes I'm doing uh, quick warm-ups of scales and just the weird little finger warm-ups that we do on guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I said as, I was gonna say as guitarist, and I take it back, because <laughs> I would never call nah, myself no. a guitarist. Um, but there's so much to learn. Am I gonna spend today learning a couple new chords? Am I going to learn a new scale? Am I going to learn some more about music theory that I don't know? Because I know probably up through music theory one. Am I going to, um, you know, am I going to try to learn a new song? I, I always like learning new songs more than I like. Um, Greg's busting out the guitar. Oh, oh, he's not. Okay. Oh, Okay.
1: What is this? I brought this for you. Oh, amazing! <coughs> it's Cheers. the
0: Berkeley Music Theory book, number one by Paul Shemling. Basic principles of rhythm, scales, and intervals. Wonderful. I'll, sh- I'll I'm going to show you as There's far a as I
1: know. Disc in the back too.
0: Anharmonic equivalence. key signatures. Yeah, got it.
1: It's the very. Half steps, uh,
0: steps. I got that. Chromatic scales. I got that. Major scales. I bet you I'm not gonna make it to the end. <laughs> I should do the ear training more. The natural minor ear training scale. is 100% like, oh,
1: one hundred percent like one of the most it, important. Things. Yes,
0: I'd say minor scales. I would trip over ascending. <laughs> see this? Okay, so I'm about halfway through this book. I would say, um, and that's, that's only on
1: book that's, one. That's your book.
0: So you, you're what you're saying is, I'm halfway through book one, and you went to the next three volumes plus. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, learning all that theory, did it change the way that you hear music? Like, 100%. Do, when you, when you listen to a score now, do you kind of already know what it's going to look like on paper?
1: Uh, yeah. Wow. It's, it's interesting. I was watching uh, a Paul McCartney uh, video and it's a Google, one of those Google ones where they peel away the tape and then reveal like Oh, questions. Google's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. I saw
0: that one.
1: Yeah, where he's like, "Yep, yeah, I don't know how to read sheet music. Yeah. And I just sat down and played... Something that sounded nice. Yeah. And that's how he wrote. And I. Well, him talking about putting together Hey
0: Jude was very
1: interesting. It's hard for me to do it that way now. Whereas that's how I used to look oh, at it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Isn't it amazing that they were able to
0: create such beautiful, beautiful music of all these different music types? Mm-hmm with very little music theory yeah, yeah. and knowledge. I mean, there's imagine a, if they had learned all there's that There's a funny stuff.
2: story that... I they, think they're not that
1: letting on to how it. much they know, though. I think that's 100%. I mean, John Lennon learned a lot. Um, but Harrison like, there's knew a, a ton. Yeah, well, Harrison knew everything. but Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, there's a funny story where... Because they, they didn't have computers back then to learn this kind of stuff. So, right. like, where would they, you know, figure out what the, all these chords are or these scales or all this stuff? So they tell a story of, uh, yeah. One day we heard this guy knew of this new chord, this B whatever chord. Okay. So we took, we got on a bus and we went all the way across town just <laughs> to learn this chord. Right. Like, like that just blows my mind.
0: Right. Now we could just. Be now like, we have
1: access to everything. B
0: seven minor. In minor f- da da da. Right in front of us. Yeah. Or yeah. It'll pop right up. Yeah. Um, okay. So well, let's 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 wind this down. I'm gonna we're gonna do two things. We're gonna talk about this internship real quick. And then I'm going to have you show me something on the guitar as like a kind of starting ground that okay. other people can, if they wanted to learn something musically. So tell me about the internship first. Hmm.
1: Uh, so uh, I responded to this one guy on LinkedIn. Well, I didn't respond, but I contacted. You contacted. Him. You I contacted. Just, how
0: did you know to contact him?
1: Um, it was one of the just suggested people. Wow. On their yeah. And I clicked on his thing, sent him a message, and he responded back saying, Hey, I want to set you up for an interview for this internship. And then I go to the internship interview, and he's like, This honestly, that does not happen. That just does no, not happen. It doesn't happen. You don't get contacted. We've never done that before. And so my mind was blown, right? And hes and then the next day they send, "Oh, we want to offer you an internship at on Zimmer Studio." so I sent him all the paperwork and everything. The problem is because they I don't know if they realize the scheduling of the online is different than the actual Boston campus because it's through Berkeley
2: uh-huh.
1: It's a Berkeley internship thing, so in the spring semester so the spring semester starts in April for online okay. it starts in I believe January in the actual campus. I th- I think that's right. That's a big difference. Difference, right? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I I think that they got the time the scheduling wrong and so that might affect it, but we'll see. Yikes. Yeah. So cuz
0: yeah, originally I I think so you were talking about so starting they maybe said in January, January
1: to me, and, an and I was hour. like, "Okay, cool." And then I, and when I did all the paperwork with my administrative counselor mm-hmm. and everything, it just didn't.
0: So are you in contact with anybody about it?
1: Yeah, I'm waiting to hear oh, back. Oh, okay, great. Right now. So
0: what would it? What would a what would a an internship look like through them? Do you think?
1: So I went to a Q and A with this guy, Jeff Zanelli. He's a composer who just did the the latest uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. And I was talking to him about it, and what he did was, he spent three semesters doing the internship there, just like cleaning the toilets and and you know, sweeping up and everything, getting Mm -hmm. coffee, doing that kind of stuff. But in his off time, he got to use the studio and check out their stuff, and then eventually he, you know, worked on some of their stuff, and then it grew out of that. So that's something I would love to have happen, you know?
0: Well, you just said at the top of this interview the number one next to John Williams is Hans Zimmer, and this is interning for him. If you're going to intern for anybody...
1: It's one of well, those two. Granted, it's for his studio, not just, not him, exactly. Regardless, but it's that brand. Yeah. Know, you're getting and then I can in, say, in hey, I did this and, you know, put that on my resume yeah. and tell people, you know. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: And that's, yeah, I mean, that's like the, the thing that I tell people all the time is like internships are so important mm-hmm. because it's not about a paycheck. It's about people seeing what you can do and then also learning more information that you don't have and being around it. Like you said, uh, it was one of the th- things that you said you wish you would have had that you didn't was being in the studio with live orchestras, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Th- that's the opportunity. I mean, it's like the th- that your missing piece is this thing. So I hope it all works out for you. Yeah, it's very exciting. Hopefully. And just as a, a fan of Hans Zimmer and just as a fan of what you do and uh, as somebody who is constantly grinding on the, the pursuit of of, of uh, the dream. Uh, it's like, for something like that to happen for you is, is a beautiful thing that I'm just like very excited well, to hear you. more about. Um, and I'd love to have you back on in the future. Uh, you know, a few years on, down <laughs> the line, if I'm still doing this, I will be. Uh, but like, we'll, we'll, to, to find out like more information about you know, like you know it'll be after you you score the film. Maybe we'll we'll come back and we'll talk about like what it was like for process, me and yeah. you to work together, uh, scoring. So if you had to if you had to show somebody uh, something on guitar, what would you show them? Like
1: what a, would I show them?
0: Yeah. What would be the first thing that you would tell? Somebody?
1: My random ass picking.
0: Yeah. Playing, show me. Yeah. T- well, that's it because finger Cause style I'm is something not, that
1: I'm not great at. Yeah,
0: and I'm I, I'm by no means good. You sound good. Let me hear something. Grab the guitar.
1: We'll just, By no means am I good. Um, you're pretty damn good. Guitar is, is definitely my weakest instrument.
0: Okay, guitar is his weakest instrument.
1: Um,
0: that being said, he's better than I am, and uh, that's pretty good. But also, you know, this, this goes back to what we were saying, is like, mm-hmm. as a composer, you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades mm-hmm. musician. I try to be. I try and I think be. that's a good thing, mm-hmm. because I would say that... Uh, You know like some guitarists are just guitarists but they can't compose yeah some drummers are just drummers you can drum and play guitar and Mm -hmm. piano and compose like it's kind of a cool thing um yeah what do you just finger pick some stuff that stuff here
1: so my whole thing is I started out just with my index and my thumb
2: Mm -hmm. just
1: picking away at strings and I what I developed was this thing where I go I skip a string yeah and then I go backwards and hit that okay so that's kind of my uh signature sound or whatever you want to call it so that's like what I've developed over the years before I learned to use the rest of my fingers because I was very slow with the guitar at that
0: well it takes forever to build up the speed for it
1: I think if you practice enough, like oh, you really daily, have to. You, daily. You, you can get it pretty quick, but I just haven't been practicing that because I practice with my two fingers, and I was like, "Oh, it sounds great! I'm gonna just keep it like that." Well, I remember the first time you did it in front. of me. So like, yeah, and then it, learning like hammer ons and hammer offs and mm-hmm. things like that are. Very so you so you, would you recommend somebody start with two
0: fingers first? No. No, no start with you do, all the fingers.
1: Yeah, cuz if you want to develop the whole hand, it's really better to just start that way cuz then you'll develop this one thing mm-hmm. and you'll be really good you'll at rely that, on but it. it'll yeah, you'll rely on it too much. Um, yeah, I'm trying to use all my fingers, see.
0: So that's is that like the thing that, how much time are you spending on
1: this a week? Every day. Uh a week, how much time? Like three, four hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not that much. I my problem is that I'll come up with a, with something like I'll just play something, and be like, oh, I gotta write that down, and then I s- open up my program. takes 25 minutes to, to load, and then I'm like, okay, and then a piano it right, right,
0: right, right. Yeah. So okay, so y- yeah, you kind of go where the. I have an idea or... in my
1: head. I'm like, oh, I have to put this idea down. So yeah, you're following the muse if it comes. That's Basically. most important. Yes. An
0: idea is more important than. Oh yeah. Focus on. Okay. Yeah. See, that's kind of where I'm at because, like, on a daily basis for me, I'll be like, I think I'm going to. Okay, I'm gonna get this edit done, and then it'll be like, you know, I'll start the edit, and then all of a sudden I'll get an idea
1: on another project, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I gotta get it down. That's. I don't want to lose it. Yeah, and that's the the problem is that you don't want to start another thing when you haven't finished what you you were working on before because then you'll never get anything done right you're all over the place yeah yeah that's That's true thousand projects that i haven't you know done anything with but
0: i'm telling you i'm the same way well that's that's kind of the thing that i came about is like okay i've got all these scripts but i'm not making them so i have to stop writing and i
1: have to make myself not write anymore see my problem is that i feel like i have i i don't feel like I, i have small hands so it's harder for me to reach certain things Interesting. Yeah, like there was, I was practicing some jazz scales yesterday, and there was just a stretch of ten keys. I can do that. Eight keys I can do, nine keys I can do, but I can't do ten. I don't have big
0: fingers in the middle, but my span yeah. from thumb to pinky is yeah, pretty wide. Yeah, you could. probably do it. I can. I. I was always okay at, at the stretch on the piano. Um, and actually, like I, s- I, heard that Jimi Hendrix would wrap his thumb around to get uh-huh, the top uh-huh. E. That's what
1: a lot of people do, and I can't do that.
0: I have started working on it a lot, but I'm forcing myself to yeah. bring that pinky up there. But the dexterity in the hands, uh, you know, like my my left used to be the weakest. Now I think it's it's faster. You can and make anything sound right. good if
1: you have the the right technique going. Yeah, but that's almost more important than actually learning like the scales, keys, chords.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, so, all right, so we got like 30 seconds or whatever, give me one last little lick there.
1: See how I'm using two fingers? You're covering the ground though. So this is what like my most I play. playing on your guitar so it sounds, feels a little yeah. different. So, different woman.
0: Greg thank you so much for being on the yeah. Hollywood Happy Hour podcast Thanks you were nervous about it
1: I'm still nervous about
0: it why it was amazing uh, you were great alright well I am gonna now end this episode by replaying our new theme music written and composed and brought to us by Gregory Fisher also where can they find you at social media wise I'm uh, can, can great
1: with my social media but let's see um, well tell
0: us your SoundCloud. Because I can go listen to some is, of your music on there, right?
1: Uh, an Evening In. An Evening In. Which is what my. Or it might be an Evening In Studios? No, it's an, an Evening In, which is my studio name. Um, I have that also on Instagram. It's an Evening In Studios, I believe. Right. Um, but yeah, just those two.
0: Well, go check them out on Instagram and SoundCloud. An Evening In Studios. And that's it. That was Gregory Fisher. Thanks, Greg, for coming on. Uh, That this is this is very fun making these, because I'm actually learning a lot. Like I learned a lot from Greg on this one. I've learned a lot from the other people that I've interviewed. You know, um, that's why I kind of love that I'm keeping this low key, interviewing you know the people around me. Uh, because, one, I'm learning about them. I see them all the time, but I'm still learning things about them that I never would have learned had I not started this podcast. I'm learning about uh, different areas of, of things that I don't do. Like, I'm not, if, you know, like, I love talking to actors, but I love that I'm mixing it up and learning about, you know, all these areas that I have some interest in, and then I get it fleshed out. So it's been fun. Um, I just, I love making the podcast. And I will be back in your feed very soon with a new episode. Uh, next episodes include Sam Valentine, uh, a film, uh debate with Jason Matlock, and uh, a couple other ones that I can't quite say just yet, but I'm very excited about. So I'm out of here. Catch you later. This new music is done!